Make it a 3-1 Penguins win. Alex Doherty covers the Preds for A to Z Sports. He now joins us. Alex, what's going on? Not much. How are you guys doing? Well, doing good, man. I guess let's just start with all the carnage, right? Yeah. And I guess the carnage wasn't (laughs) done after we got off the air yesterday, and we knew that it wasn't going to be done, um, or we suspected. I shouldn't say we knew. We suspected more was to come, and we talked about that yesterday. Mm -hmm. And we knew, uh, and I said this yesterday, look, you bring in foot, uh, a defenseman's going. And, in fact, we even took a call and said, what about McDonough or Ekholm or Fabro? And I said, I don't believe McDonough's going anywhere. I just think, unfortunately, his – you know, his contract for them is probably going to keep him put here. Ekholm, you've heard the stuff for a long time. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody was willing to step out there and, and give him a haul. And, you know, the Fabro stuff has been pretty easy to connect that dot. Well, I guess Edmonton was really willing to step out there and give the Preds all that they wanted for that trade. What did you make of Matias Ekholm, who has spent his entire career here, uh, you know, born and bred by the Nashville Predators organization. Yeah, big big changes. Yeah, I, I think he he first uh, he was a, a full time player for the first time in 2013-14. Uh, so Barry Trotz's last year, and uh, and yeah, it's a changing of a guard. I mean, it, it's it's pretty remarkable that how long he's been here. It, it's kind of hard to believe. It, in in a lot of ways, it mm-hmm. feels like he just got here, but now he's you know he, he's like one of the more veteran players in the league i mean he's just like he he's been around so long and and roman yossi after the game last night just seemed seemed pretty down i mean like obviously the loss but i think at this point it's pretty clear the season where the season's going and it's much less about you know the the performance of the of the team and more about building for the future the Ekholm return i you know i i initially thought it wasn't that great but then i went back and realized you know i i had, i wrote a few weeks ago about what i thought they would get for ekholm i thought they would get a first round pick and a top prospect they ended up getting the first round pick they got a mid-level prospect in reed schaefer and then also a fourth round pick um which is not bad i mean like that's that's a pretty good return the tyson berry part of the return is very curious and I think the initial thought from a lot of people was that they're going to flip him for something else and that, that they got him because they needed to make the money work for Edmonton uh, and that Tyson Berry might be traded somewhere else. But it doesn't sound like that's what's going to happen now. I mean, uh, David Poyle was made available during the game last night to talk about the trade. My uh, partner in crime, Sean Smith, he, he asked David Poyle that question. Is Tyson Berry someone that they're wanting to hold on to for next year. And it sounds like he is. Uh, now, hmm. Dave Poyle's probably not going to give away too much, but it sounds like, uh, according to what he said, basically that he likes Tyson Berry's offensive output and his offense from the, the blue line. And, and that's, you know, he's a little bit smaller of a cap hit from Matias Ekholm, so that's nice. You do save a little bit of money. But the Tyson Berry addition is, is an odd one. It, it, it's not a build for the future. He's 30 years old or 31 years old. But, you know, I guess they had to make the money work in order to get the first-round pick. Well, Cal Foote made his debut last night. What did you think of him? I thought he was okay. I, I, I'm, I hear so many mixed reviews about him. Me too. Yep, a, me he too. Is a, he is a big, a big guy, obviously comes from a, a good pedigree, mm-hmm. son of Adam Foote. And 
I, you know, he's a big guy. I think that's that's a plus if you if you want to be big on defense. I just wonder about the skating. You know, I, I just wonder the foot speed uh, offensively. Is he going to be able to make it? Uh, I think he'll have to be protected with uh, some, a, a faster defenseman. I don't think Lozon and Foot is a pairing that I would continue doing for a while. I mean, <laughs> that's that's two bigger guys. I'm very physical, but I mean, if they get beat, they're going to get beat bad. So, um, I, I I think it's okay. Work in progress. We'll see where it goes. He'll be cheaper uh, than than other defensemen, so that's something to to be okay with. If there's another move in store, do you think it's it's a defenseman? Do you think it would be probably the logical choice that everybody would think that it's you know Dante Fabro? Definitely, yeah. It, it sounds like that's definitely that's where it's going. They have three restricted free agents at defense: Carrier, Fabro, and now Foot. I don't think they're going to keep all three. And Fabro is the most expensive of the three. They could trade him. I, I've heard San Jose, maybe Vegas. I don't know. There's there's a lot of options, but there's there's definitely some teams out there that could use a player like Fabro and uh, be willing to pay him what he's owed for next year. Yeah, um, I don't think they're. It's not going to be Carrier. I, I think it's pretty clear from people I've talked to. They they like Carrier a lot. Carrier number one choice. Yeah, for sure. And, and I I think that makes the most sense. Carrier has made the most progress of those two. He's, he's developed the furthest. He had the injury, of course. He seems to be back from that. But, yeah, I mean, Kerry, 26 years old. Like, I mean, that's still pretty young for a defenseman. You get another – you could get another good five years out of Alex Kerry and feel real good about that. I mean, where, where he's at with this. He's not going to become a Roman Yossi. I mean, that's not, that's not his path. He's going to be a top-four guy and have a couple of good years. And, uh, and if he just remains healthy, he's a, he's a good choice to move forward with for sure. Did they have pictures on the Tampa Bay Lightning? You know, maybe front execs, uh, front office execs in Tampa. Like what? Everybody is at the same right. Everybody's come to the same conclusion. I, I've admitted several times that the first time I saw it on social media, I was like, "Fake account. That's just not real. That is a fake account." Uh, and then I saw shortly after that, Elliot Friedman put something out there, and I was like, "Holy crap! That was not a fake account." I didn't recognize. That person, I can't remember the name again. I think it was Brendan or something. I can't remember who it was that I saw at first. But what what are we all missing? Like, I get it. We, I think Tanner Janot is a good player. He had 24 goals last year. I get it. And the physicality, all the stuff he brings, we, we know. But to, to get that kind of haul for him, I mean, I don't think anybody could have seen that. Why, why do you think Tampa was willing to do that? It was really interesting. So I, I had a, a couple of uh, I had a couple of sources that I was communicating with that were giving me information about what was happening with the Tanner Janot trade, and the the one that really stood out to me, I was I was hearing that the ask for Nashville was two first round picks for Tanner Janot. They were asking for two first round picks, and when I heard that, I was like, this can't. There's no way. There's no way they're asking for that. And then I, then I started hearing that the return was going to be a lot bigger than people thought. And then I was like, huh, okay. And then, and then obviously from, from Elliot Friedman, we heard that it was going to be a, a big return. And then, yeah, as soon as I saw the return come through, I was like, I, I guess this is what they're talking about. This must be real. And, uh, yeah, they, <clears throat> I joked that they basically acquired an entire draft class for Tanner Janot. I mean, like they, they got five picks out of that and a player. It's just, that's, that's crazy. You just don't see that. And, I, I do think that in Tampa, I think he will succeed. I almost think that 
he might be better in Tampa than he could have ever been in Nashville. Does that make sense? Probably doesn't say too many good things about Nashville, but uh, I mean, at a place like Tampa, Tanner Snow is probably going to become like a 20 goal scorer every year. I mean, he's just, he's that good. He's that skilled. He's that determined. And Tampa is that good at developing players. But is he really worth all that? I don't know. I, it doesn't seem like it to me, but, you know, they, they obviously liked him a whole lot. Justin knows we have fielded a lot of calls throughout the course of the season and, you know, point blank asked, what do we think of this team? And my assessment is they've been underachieving. I think their talent is good enough to make the playoffs. And that was my stance for the entire year. And obviously the more the season went along, the more I started – looking at myself going, self, are, are you sure about your assessment of this team? Because obviously they just, you know, they've been what they've been all season. So why do you think this happened? Why, why don't you – I mean, and I know you've been coming on with us, so why don't you think this has come together this season? I, I just still am surprised I was off with my assessment of I thought this roster was good enough to be a playoff team, and then – you know, get in there and see what happens because the West is weak. The West is incredibly weak. The East is the mm-hmm. powerhouse conference. Why do you think it just really never changed this year, in your opinion? Um, I mean, I would point to uh, probably the major two things would be the offensive output just wasn't there. I mean, like they they could not get anything close to what they had in twenty one twenty two. From, from Matthew Shane and Philip Forsberg. So when you score almost a goal less a game, you're gonna you're not going to be as good of a team. And then the other thing is, I, you know, UC Soros is obviously one of the best goaltenders in the league, but he hasn't been that level all year. I mean, he hasn't been, like, saving them in games, you know, nightly. He certainly has saved them in many games. But, um, you know, last year you had the combination of this, incredible offensive team and then also UC Soros being a Vezina a caliber goalie uh and uh both of those things are gone so when you don't have those two things you you are terrible on the power play uh the one thing that they fixed which is odd is that they're not as heavily penalized the team this year so they didn't go to the box as much I think everyone thought that you know if they were to reduce the penalties and add some scoring with Nino Niederreiter and add to their defense with Ryan McDonough Boy, who, who knows where this team could go? But boy, it, it nothing worked. It's just like it, it nothing really pieced together. I think there were lineup decisions that didn't make sense. The Ellie Tolvanen thing, you know, the the top players were were good but not great. Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg, and uh, the rest of the players just not good enough to uh, to make a difference. So. Alex, you've covered the team for a long time. David Poyle's been the GM the whole time. I'm sure at some point you thought to yourself, boy. I wonder what a GM search would be like. I wonder what kind of guys it would bring in. I wonder what direction they might go in. It seems like all the speculation, all the anything was just taken away. David Poyle's retiring. Barry Trotz is in. Thank you. Any questions? <laughs> what, is your, <laughs> what is your response to that? Uh, not just about David Poyle stepping down, which would we all expected over a certain period of time, but how quickly they just moved on to Barry Trotz and basically they did it all internally with no fans jumping in, no media getting a chance to talk about it. It just happened. Yeah, I guess we probably should have seen this coming because um, David Poyle has been has has had the control of this team 
since day one. And so I, I guess it, we should have known that he was going to have control of it even after he was gone. Uh, <laughs> because uh, that's what happened. I mean, he basically was like, this is going to be my last year. I would like to set up the succession plan. And just like every other year and every other decision that's been made with this team, the owners and Sean Henry were like, okay, you do you. That's fine. You can set it up however you want. You can name your person. Everything's all good. You know, it's not like the NFL where you have to have a search and you have to have, you know, there's no Rooney rule or anything like that. So it's like you got you, you can, you, you can do whatever you want. I mean, you could just walk up and say, I, I want to make this, you know, this sandwich I ate for lunch, the next GM. And that's, uh, that's what's, that's what's going to run the team now. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I mean, David Poyle getting to do whatever he wants is uh, basically how he wanted to, to, to keep it going. I, I am very curious how much it will change. Uh, you know, is, is David Poyle going to be to, going to have a considerable amount of influence moving forward? I think it seems pretty clear that he will. Probably not a lot. I mean, Barry Trotz is going to do his thing. Barry, Barry, Barry's already kind of seems to be doing his thing. But... David Paul is never really going to go away. I mean, he's just kind of moving offices. He's not going to be in the office as much. You know, he's not going to be around as much. He can take more vacations. But, I mean, he's going to have some influence in this team until he decides he really doesn't want to anymore. So, yeah, we should have, I guess we should have seen this coming because that's how it's always been. David Boyle has always had some sort of in, uh, influence on the team. Talk to me about what you perceive to be the difference between hiring uh, a head coach here uh, who has obviously scouted players and, and done that kind of thing. It's not like he's never done that kind of thing ever before. He clearly has and clearly knows tons about hockey and incredibly experienced, but he's not exactly a front office person uh, the way we think about it. So someone like Barry Trotz, obviously a very experienced coach versus someone who had been in a front office in a scouting position, player personnel position, the entire time was never a coach stepping into the this job. What are the the differences in perspective, you think? You know, I think I think Barry has a lot more in um experience in the front office world than people probably think. Uh, one thing that David Poyle talked about, I know Darren, you probably you were you were there, you heard this, him talk about the early years with Barry how it was just him, David, Barry, and, and, and a couple scouts, and basically they built a team, you know. I mean, and Barry mm-hmm. Trotz was a big part of that. And so he, he talked about how Barry had that experience. And then obviously in the, in, the, in the early years of the team and going through the drafts and all that, uh, Barry was very involved. And I think the, just the length of time that he's been in the league alone would give him a lot of insight. You know, if this was a brand-new coach that just steps from coaching to GM, that's one thing. He's also had experience building and, and sort of – rounding out a Stanley Cup winning team so that's good but I I think it's you know it's not unlike you know a, a good actor who who uh decides you know what I'd like to be behind the camera and, and direct this direct the next film I do uh sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't so I I think it's just going to take a while to see I, I think we'll know pretty soon if uh if he does know what he's doing if he's if he's got a good grasp on this or if he's just uh throwing darts uh my instinct is that he's going to do a pretty good job it's just, you know, it's going to take a little bit of luck. He's going to have to have some, some good draft picks land. He's going to have to have some, some free agents come open at the right time and some good years from players that maybe we don't expect in order to really, you know, make it as a GM. Last but not least for me, I want to 
talk to you about the kind of coach you think Barry Trotz will look for next if they do not decide to keep John Hines. Obviously, he's uh, still here with the job and, uh, you know, he's still under contract and all that kind of great stuff. But all roads point to the fact they may be changing directions as far as a head coach is concerned next year. What kind of person do you think Barry Trotz uh, will go after here? Is somebody already on the staff, somebody already in the building or or what? Um, you know, I, I, I think, the, first of all, on the Hines thing, I, I, Barry had a response about that and, and said basically, you know, he really likes John Hines as a coach. He's going to start evaluating it immediately and evaluating the rest of the year and then on into next year. Hines has one more year on his contract. I don't know. I, I think I think Hines, I think there's a good chance Hines actually is around next year, uh, especially if they don't really see themselves as a contender. You know, just let him play out his contract and then see go from there. I don't think that Hein. I'm sorry. I don't think Barry would find just a retread. You know, I don't think he would wait till, you know, some some other some some other current coach who might get fired, like Mike Sullivan with uh, with Pittsburgh. Like if he were to get fired, I don't think Barry would just run to go hire Mike Sullivan. I think Barry would truly evaluate. Okay, what what are some good young head coaches that know how to develop young talent and that could take us to the next level? Because there's guys out there that have shown they can make that jump without having anything under their belt. I mean, Jared Bednar was an AHL coach, really successful one, and then jumped to the Colorado Avalanche, and after a few years, he's got them rolling and, you know, probably going to win at least another cup or two. I mean, there's, there's other examples of that, but he's, he's just a really, really good one. Maybe Carl Taylor is a guy he wants to look at as the, the Milwaukee Admirals coach. Maybe he's like, okay, it's time for Carl Taylor to get his moment. Um, maybe he looks completely somewhere else, maybe like, you know, a Dallas Eakins in, in, in Anaheim, or maybe he, he looks for uh, a, another young coach maybe that we don't even – we're not even talking about now. So uh, there's a lot of lot of options. I just don't think he would go with someone who's just, you know, a, a Daryl Suter type who's just like been around for decades. I think he's just going to – he's going to try to find someone new. God help us all if it's Daryl Sutter. <laughs> <laughs> some stronger. It looks like he's, you know, he messed his pants when you look at him. A man never Jeez. smiles. He never smiles. Okay. All right, then. It's difficult to deal yeah. with. He might smile after getting a head coach check. He might smile. Well, he's had a head coach check for a long time, but okay. he never yeah. smiled. Yeah. And, yeah. and that type of that type of coach is going away anyways. I mean, we know that. It, that's that's not how coaches. I mean, obviously Calgary saw something else, but. The, the, that's that type of coaching style that he has is just not really the way that young kids want to get coached today, and it's going to go away. So I mean, Tortorella, same thing. Like well, that's uh, just those guys are going away. You got to find a new young kind of progressive head coach that knows how to teach eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year olds how to play hockey. If you say so, Alex. Those guys you just named. They've been around the block for a long, long, long time. I think people have been putting them out to pasture for a long time. They keep <laughs> they keep getting rehired. They, yeah, well, I guess I should clarify. They will find jobs. I just don't know that they'll find success. I mean, it's been a long time since those guys have won cups, too. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting. Hey, thanks for the visit, as always. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Definitely. Y'all take it easy. All right, this team is about to embark on a lot of road games mm. to start off the month of March. Of course, the building yeah. is yeah. going to be occupied. going to be a little busy. By the, uh, by the SEC tournament. They'll be in Florida uh, tomorrow night to take on the Panthers. Florida, Chicago, Vancouver, Arizona, Los Angeles Kings, Anaheim. 
Their next home game is March 14th. <laughs> well, you know, you said, listen, they're hitting a lot of guys in the Western Conference, at least. You said the Western Conference is, you know, a 